Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, we'll read it together. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16, the Word of God says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for its inspiration, its preservation, its publication. And Lord, it tells us what we need to know for all things pertaining unto life and godliness. And thank you for the record of your life. And here we see that you had a, a custom, a manner, a habit of going to the synagogue. And so many wonderful things you did consistently. And I pray that you'd help us to find consistence, consistency, help us to be good stewards in all the different areas of our lives. Lord, and help us to build into our lives this rhythm of just doing the right thing over and over and over that leads to continued success. So we pray that you'd save those that need saving, help those that need helped. Lord, may all of us learn some things today, practical things that, that will make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Uh, this morning's message is not a normal type of Sunday morning message. Uh, honestly, I was almost going to preach it and teach it during Sunday school uh, or uh, Wednesday night Bible study, but I've sensed the Lord uh, directing us that no, the, the majority of the people that would be here on a Sunday morning, we could all benefit from this. I think all of us could, uh, but I think the Lord wanted us to hear this this morning. It's such a, a simple lesson that it's almost embarrassing. But yet, have you noticed it's the simple things in life that sometimes trip us up? If we could just master the, the simple things, our lives would be infinitely better. And so this morning, uh, I'm not going to take a long time. I'm not going to uh, try to be uh, anything other than practical, and helpful. And I really believe that if you would take the main truth from today and start applying it into the different areas of your lives we're going to talk about, that you, your life will be better. I, I believe that with all my heart. I've seen it work in my life. I've seen it in other people's lives. I'm focusing on this this year in, in 2020 uh, all over again. And so as, as we've been discussing the importance of stewardship in our lives, hopefully by now you agree with the biblical mandate that we should strive to live as good stewards. Uh, this is a biblical thought. We're not owners, we're stewards. We are managing the assets and opportunities that God allows to come into our lives. So we believe in the mandate, we believe in the, the truth but how can we instill the principles of stewardship into our daily lives? Think about this. How can we overcome a lifetime of doing things our way and start consistently living like Jesus? And the answer may surprise you that I'm going to give you this morning. And I believe the answer is found in our habits. Our habits. Everyone has them. Most people don't give too much thought to them. 
But our habits are really the secret of stability. They're the secret of consistency. Uh, Your habits are either making your life better every day, or your habits are making your life worse every day. Why would we keep hurting ourselves over and over and over every day, every week, every month, and often without even thought because this is just what we do? It's what we've always done. We even do it without really thinking about it. But what if there was a way for you to change the little things you do every day and turn them into consistent habits so that every single day is better. You have a better morning. You have a better day at work. You sleep better at night. You have a better marriage. You have more peace in your heart. You have less frustration and anger. Your finances are in in order. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And I believe the secret is our habits. Making our daily habits consistent with God's commands. And if we can learn to leverage the power of habit, we'll find the consistency necessary to be faithful disciples of Christ. So I want you to give me a hearing as we talk about this. And first, just let me define what is a habit. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary says that a habit is, quote, a settled tendency or usual manner of behavior. So this is something that's settled. It's just what we tend to do. Uh, it's, it's kind of a, a, a manner of behavior that's usual. If we were to say, I usually do this in the morning, I usually do this before bed, I usually do this before I go to work, those would be our habits. But he goes on, the, the dictionary goes on and adds to that, and it says, an acquired mode of behavior that has become nearly or completely involuntary. Think about that. So habits are the natural tendencies or the things we tend to do every day that have become so ingrained in us, we do them without thinking about it. They just happen. And if we don't think about what we're going to do, we just default to whatever our habit is. Now, that's a wonderful thing if your habits are positive, It's a terrible thing if your habits are negative. And most people think of habits when they think about bad habits. And habits certainly can be negative. But habits can also be very positive. I want you to think about this with me. God made us, he created us with the ability to form habits. And while habits may sometimes, bad habits seem like a curse, the idea of of being able to form habits on its own, is a very positive thing. Matter of fact, I believe it's a gift from God. Because since God made us with the ability to form habits, we can learn to do something so well that we continue it without much thought at all. So imagine and remember back how hard it was to learn to tie your shoes. And if you have trouble remembering back that far, try to teach a child how to tie their shoe. It's infuriating. It's like you can use the bunny method, you know? So it's this little bunny here, and then this little bunny here, and then this chases the bunny ears around. It's infuriating. It's, it's like, how do I do this? And you stop and think about it. 
most of us in the room, we have tied our shoes tens of thousands of times. And aren't you glad that every time in the morning you don't put your shoes on and go, okay, okay, wait, stop. Kids, quiet. I got to think about this. All right. Okay, I pull them both up straight. And then I cross them and I go underneath and I pull tight. Okay, now. Okay, now make this look. You'd waste a quarter of your life tying your shoes. But see, since God gave us the gift of habit, once we learn how to tie, <laughs> learn to wear loafers, you see what I'm wearing today. And uh, uh, the only shoes I tie anymore are sneakers. And, uh, but the, the ability to form habits says I can learn to tie my shoes once, and then I now have retained the ability to tie my shoes on demand, but I don't have to stop and think about it. Uh, remember the hours of fretting and frustration it took to learn how to drive. Remember back to, man, you're 14, 15, boy, now you can get your permit. And you get your permit, and the first time dad and mom lets you behind the car, and they're sitting there, and they look at you across, and they say, if you wreck this car, I'm going to kill you. And so now you're feeling it, and you're like, okay, which pedal's which? And, okay, the, the pedal on the right makes you go, and the big pedal on the left makes you stop, and sometimes you'd get them confused, or you'd try to drive with both shoes on because you, wanted to, you didn't have the confidence to let one foot do all the work. And then, boy, you'd sit there, and you'd sit down and look at your mirrors and, and make sure everything was okay. You'd look at the dash, okay, here's my wipers, and here's my gear shift, and where are my lights? Get the seat just right, buckle your seatbelt, get your hands on 10 and 2, Okay, you'd slowly put it in drive and just take your foot off. And okay, the car just starts creeping and just you're afraid to put the gas on. And you go, you go forward way too fast and you stomp on the brakes. And oh, it's nerve wracking. And then you finally start driving in traffic. All these cars zipping around you. But I guarantee you, most of you in here this morning, you're running to church you get in that van, you, you, you jump in the car, you, you throw on your seatbelt, hopefully, you throw it in drive, and, you know, and you're driving out and, and uh, making turns going about 35 miles an hour. You know, you got a donut in one hand, the ladies are putting on lipstick with the other, looking in the back mirror, and uh, driving down the road and talking on the Bluetooth and, yeah, drinking a coffee at the same time. You know why? Because you've learned how to drive, and it's become a habit. So now you don't have to stop and think through every little step. You just have that ingrained in you. Now, hopefully you have good driving habits and not bad driving habits. I was driving down Main Street this week, and I just decided to pay attention to the cars passing me. And we were going right by a Navigant Bank there and, and uh, just driving by. Three out of four cars that went past me the first few minutes I started looking didn't even look at the road. One was playing with their radio. One was texting. The other was eating something. I mean, their eyes weren't, I mean, I'm like looking at them, and they're not even looking at me or the road. And see, the problem with habit is sometimes we get so comfortable that we're not paying attention when we need to. But thank God for the power of habit. I think about reading. You jump up this morning and, and we open our Bibles and we turn to it and we just start reading. Remember how hard it was when you first started to read? Uh, and if you ever wonder, try to teach a, a child how to read. And it's, it's difficult. Now I say all that to remind us 
that imagine how difficult life would be if we had to spend the same effort over and over and over to continue in action as it took to learn it. So I want us to all settle this, that habits are a gift from God if we know how to use them. If we are willing and purposeful and, and intentional about creating good habits, then it's almost like putting success on autopilot. It's almost like making sure that we start our days in, on a good path instead of waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Uh, it's almost like we can get a jump start when we go to work instead of feeling like we're behind all day or feeling like we're doing well in our marriage instead of struggling in our marriage. And I'll show you how all that fits together. Now, good habits are a gift from God. Bad habits are the things that we do without thinking that hurt us and those around us. And we all have them. I want you to think about right now, what are your bad habits? If you're not sure what they are, ask the people that spend time with you. They know what they are. They know what your bad habits are. So think about this. Do you ignore the alarm clock? It's a bad habit. Do you say whatever comes to your mind without thinking? It's a bad habit. Do you raise your voice as soon as you get frustrated? It's a bad habit. Spew curse words without thinking? I was talking to a, a man, and it's not been un uncommon over the years, and someone will be around me cursing. I'll say, excuse me, do you mind not, do you mind not just using that language? And they'll say, oh, I didn't know I was doing it. It just becomes such a habit. It's, it's a lazy way of speech that you just curse this, curse that. Uh, I remember growing up, I had a family member that smoked cigarettes, like a lot. And they were always smoking cigarettes. And I used to marvel as they would robotically just pull another one out of the pack, light it, puff it. It would get done. They'd put it out, pull out the pack, get another one out, light it. It was just like robotically, just over and over and over. And matter of fact, they, they got to the point to where they could talk to you with like their cigarette like hanging on their lip. Have you ever seen them do that? Or sometimes they're like talking to you and it's like... Uh, you're just kind of talking like this, you know, they even forget it's there. You know, they got a cigarette hanging out their mouth. But this guy, he had the ability to, like, have the cigarette hang off his lip with no help. And he would just be, like, hanging here. He'd be talking, he'd be flapping, and then he'd, with no hand, he'd pull it up, and then let it hang back down. I mean, I don't know if he had super glue on there or whatever. <laughs> it was crazy. But this was a habit. Take it out of the package, light, smoke, repeat. Bad habits. A bad habits kill you slowly. They suck the joy and potential from our lives. They're the chains that make us feel like we're a prisoner in our current life. Some of you feel so trapped. We feel so desperate. We feel like things are never going to change. But we, we fail to see that much of the pressure we feel is because we're living life without thought. We're just moving from impulse to impulse, from habit to habit. But we've created a world of bad habits that are punishing us and those around us. And we feel like that we can't change them. The good news is that with God's help, you certainly can change bad habits. Bad habits are easy to create and hard to stop. Good habits are hard to create and easy to stop. That's why we often pay more attention to the bad habits than the good ones. And so good habits improve our lives. 
bad habits kill us slowly. You say, preacher, I thought, I thought this was church. Why are we talking about habits? Well, because habits are talked about quite a bit in the Bible. And the text verse that we had today, I'm going to take a few minutes and show you in the scriptures where the Bible talks about habits and customs and manners and those types of things, just to show you, and then I want to give you a few things to think about. Uh, and then as you leave today, I want you to, to know that as you leave today, that the message isn't going to fix a bunch of stuff, but what it's going to do is give you the the tools for you to look at your own life this week and even today and say, okay, how can I start making this area of my life better? Uh, And these are incredibly powerful truths if you're willing to look at them. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. This is where we started today. This is speaking of the Lord. The Bible says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was. Do you see that? As his custom was. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And so the word custom here, it's used in the Bible frequently, and it often speaks of taxes, but it can also mean habit or tradition. So what the Bible's saying here is our Lord had a habit that on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. It would be equivalent to you and I going to church on Sunday. That was just his habit. It's what he did all the time. He didn't decide on Friday night if he was going to synagogue on Saturday. He didn't see what was on the schedule. He just went to synagogue. And he created a habit, uh, and I believe this is all the way from his growing up years. This is why it's so important that as parents we get our children in the habit of going to church, that we get ourselves in the habit of going to church. There's going to be times where you want to go. There's going to be times where you don't want to go, but if you create a habit, of going, then it's kind of on autopilot and I just go. Therefore, I'm always reaping the benefits of obedience, whether I felt like being obedient or not. Does that make sense to you? And so our Lord had a habit of going to synagogue. Look at Acts chapter 17. And look at verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis... And Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Now stop. A synagogue, we kind of think about that in our world today as church. It wasn't church. This was for the Jews. And if you think about, (coughs) the Jews had two places of worship. They had the temple, which was in Jerusalem. The temple was run by the Sadducees. They were kind of the liberal priestly sect of the Jewish religion. But then they would only go there for offerings and special occasions and such. But each community had a place called a synagogue. And this is where the Jews would gather on the Sabbath day. They would gather together for fellowship, to read out of the Old Testament, and so on. Uh, And these would, the the, uh, synagogues were basically run by the Pharisees. This would be the more uh, conservative, traditional sect of the Jewish religion. And so they would go to the temple, special occasions, feasts, offerings. They would go to synagogue for fellowship, learning, culture, those types of things. And so the average Jew would go to synagogue on, in their community on uh, the Sabbath day, which would be Saturday. And so here we found that the Jews here in Thessalonica, they had a synagogue, and that's where the Jews went. And then verse 2, it says, And Paul, notice, as his manner was went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. 
opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Well, first of all, praise the Lord, there's the gospel. And so he was saying that Christ, the, the, the Messiah that was going to come, had to die and pay for our sins first before he was going to save the Jews physically. He was going to save them spiritually before he would save them nationally and politically. And then that he died and rose again to pay for our sins. And so Paul is preaching Christ. And let me just remind you today that if you're here and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, good intentions aren't going to get you to heaven. Good habits won't get you to heaven. Going to church every day, reading your Bible, praying, praying to saints, praying to whoever you want, uh, giving money, living a, 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 a life that, that you're just trying to put away, all fleshly pleasures, all of those things mean nothing when it comes to your eternal salvation because you have a sin debt that requires justice and the only way that your sin can be paid for is either you pay for it yourself in hell for eternity or you allow Christ's payment to be placed on your account. Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, and whosoever will call upon him can be saved. And thank the Lord that salvation is free and available to all who call upon him. So this is what Paul is preaching, but notice where he's preaching it. He's in the synagogue. Now, if you remember, Paul, before he got saved, was Saul. Saul, as a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, is a very conservative, traditional Jew. He went to synagogue his whole life. He would go to synagogue faithfully before he was saved. After he was saved as a Jew, he went to synagogue now to witness to the Jews that were there. And uh, praise the Lord for that. But I want you to notice here in verse 2, and Paul, as his manner was. And so the word manner has multiple definitions in the Bible, but one meaning is a custom or habitual practice. So the Apostle Paul had a habit of going to synagogues to preach the gospel. A look at 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> I know this isn't very exciting, and there's a lot more uh, exciting spiritual truths we could preach but sometimes it's the practical things that, that, that make such an impact on, on our daily lives. And so we're going to show you in a few minutes where the rubber meets the road and how you can walk out of here building habits that will put successful Christian living on autopilot as we go forward. And we'll still have to attend to them and, and make sure that we're following them and so on. But boy, they, it's like cheating. Creating godly habits are like cheating in life. And so, praise the Lord. Who wants to cheat? Don't cheat. That was a joke. Some of you teenagers are like, I'll cheat. I like to cheat. Let's not do that. 1 Corinthians 15, and look at verse 33. Let's read it together. Ready? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Ready? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. And so, a warning here, don't be deceived, don't be tricked. Evil communications, communications would be talking, words. Evil communications, sinful, evil, hurtful, corrupt good manners. Now, what are manners? And the word manners here in this portion of Scripture means moral habits. Moral habits. So, the, the moral things that we habitually do. I don't lie. That's a moral habit. I'm going to consistently tell the truth. I want to be uh, uh, just 
and I, I'm trying to be just. That's a moral habit. I want to be kind. That's a moral habit. I want to be holy. I'm trying to habitually put into practice these moral habits that make me, like God, good commu- evil communications corrupt good manners. So if we listen to a bunch of evil talking, if we listen to gossip and tailbearing and untruth and false doctrine, it's going to corrupt the good manners that God's given us and that we're trying to accomplish consistently living for God. All right, look at Hebrews chapter 10. I'll show you this last verse here as far as this goes. Just setting an example that the Bible does talk about the importance of habits. And look at verse 25. Now, I know this is a famous verse, and we talk about it a lot here because it's important for us. But I want you to notice the specific wording here. All right, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Okay, now that's church attendance. A church is an assembly of baptized believers. Forsaking means to stop, to quit, to, to let it go. And so he's saying, don't stop going to church. Look at the next phrase. As the manner of some is. Wait a minute. Look at me. This means some people, some people that call themselves Christians, have picked up the bad habit of not going to church. They know they should. They know it's right. They just don't. Well, maybe something comes up, and then maybe they had to work, and then maybe they had a family thing, and then you know what? Now they just don't feel like it. And then they stayed up late, or then they woke up too late, or then they just had to catch up on a few things. They just get in the habit of not going. And then they don't go again. And they don't go again. Now the Bible says, don't become that person. Not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the man or habit of some is. But let's read on. But exhorting one another, encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. <clears throat> so some people have a habit of skipping church. The Bible tells us not to be like them, but to attend church more regularly as you see the end times approaching. And how many of you have looked around and said, hey, the world's kind of nuts. Uh, you look around, you see, you see backsliddenness, you see apostasy, you see evil on the rise. You see God being openly attacked now in America. It's getting pretty crazy out there. Now's not the time to lay off. Now's the time to lean in. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more committed. I need to make sure I'm creating these healthy habits of stewardship in my life so that I can be like God. It's interesting, this this idea of the power of habits isn't just found in the Scriptures, but it's, it's been kind of understood for thousands of years. Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. Think about that. We are what we, we repeatedly do. Are you a Bible reader? Well, it depends on if you read your Bible regularly. Are you a church goer? It depends on if you go to church regularly. Uh, are you a soul winner? You, you uh, uh, give, get out the gospel? It depends on if you're giving the gospel regularly. And there is a need, and this is so important, there's a God-given need for us to who we say we are, and what we actually do to be in harmony. 
it creates a lot of internal conflict when I say I'm one thing, but I'm not doing those things. Uh, there's a lot of friction inside, a lot of, of lack of peace. But what happens is, is often our actions will rise to meet who we, who we say we are or fall to meet who we think we are. This is why, let's say someone's an addict, they're addicted to to uh, uh, drunkenness or alcohol, uh, uh, booze, or, or some drug. And they say, well, I'm an addict, and I'll always be an addict. And it's so hard that when you self-identify as that, that this is who I am, it's who I'll always be, I'll never be anything different. So what I have to do is spend my life fighting against who I know I really am. Or, this is why identity in Christ is so important, or you realize who you are now in Christ. And now in Christ, I'm no longer just an addict. I'm a new creature. And now I'm living up to being that new creature. I might still have those fleshly impulses. And I might say, you know, my old nature is a drunk. My old nature is this or that. But that's not who I am. And that's not who I'm going to be. I want to be what God made me to be. And that's why it's so important you look at the Scripture and we find our identity in Christ who Christ says we are. And then we begin living up to that. And as through the power of the Holy Ghost, that supernatural power God gives us, we begin to live into that. We find harmony and peace in our souls. Aristotle said we are what we repeatedly do. But then he continued and said, excellence then is not an act, it's a habit. So being first class isn't something you do once, it's something that you just start doing. Uh, Being holy isn't something that you just do once, it's something that you start doing. Being faithful isn't something that you do once, it's just what you start doing. And then as we build into our lives with the Holy Scriptures as our guide, telling us what we ought to do and what we ought not to do, We begin building into our lives these habits that say, okay, I want to strive with God's help. I want to strive to consistently do what I'm supposed to do and consistently stop doing what I'm not supposed to do. And I begin building in good habits. Think about this. Failure is often a result of not doing what we know to do. It's the lack of healthy habits that hurt us. What do I mean? The bank is overdrawn because you didn't balance the checkbook. The marriage is on the rocks because you came home and ignored your spouse. Turned on the TV, got on Twitter, Facebook. Do you know that there is a difference in the habits between those who have a healthy marriage and the habits of those who have a struggling marriage? You can look at their lives and see the people that have a healthy marriage, they consistently do certain things that add to the value of their marriage. And people that are struggling, they have stopped doing those things, and now they're consistently doing things that are hurting their marriage. Not communicating. Not making eye contact when they talk. Losing your temper quickly. And so often failure is a result of not doing what we know to do. The kids are unattached because we got too busy to build a relationship with them. We feel lousy and unproductive all day because we went to bed late and then ate an unhealthy breakfast. You know, I know this by great experience. Getting too little sleep 
and then going by Dunkin' Donuts and getting a large cream and sugar with a donut and a muffin. That's not going to help you live a good life today. It is so fun while it lasts. And then you spend the rest of the morning hating yourself. And so imagine the bad habits we have in all of these areas. And so let me just give you some, some thoughts here today quickly. I'm going to give you 10, 10 areas, and I'll, this is too much for you to, to write down right now, but I'll, I'll post this, this uh, uh, outline on paulichapman.com so you can see it. But I'm going to give you 10 areas of your life, and this is important because I'm not going to give you all the answers in these areas. I want to have you start thinking about these areas and see what you can do in these areas to begin building healthy stewardship habits. All right, so let's talk about the spiritual. So one domain of our life is the spiritual. We are spiritual beings. And this is just, I just want to prompt your thinking here a little bit. What are some good habits spiritually? Well, we talk to God each morning before your feet touch the floor. Talk to God each morning before your feet touch the floor. Let me encourage you, the first thing you do in the morning, don't grab your phone, don't check Facebook, don't check the news feed, talk to God. And so, uh, and you can talk to God while you're crawling to the coffee maker. That's okay. You can talk to God while you're trying to get to the sink to throw some cold water in your, your, your feet. But I've had a habit for many years that before my feet touch the floor, I want to talk to God. It might just be good morning, God. It might just be talking for a few minutes. Sometimes it's for quite a while. Uh, but I want to talk to God before my feet hit the floor. What does that do? It creates a healthy habit that now I've started my day talking to God. You say, preacher, that's so small. It's, it's not a big deal. But that's the power of habit. And that's why we often overlook the little things we're doing or not doing that over time create huge margins of success or failure. Habit is not just right now, this, this one little thing is going to make me or break me. It's if I do, a, if I do this a thousand times in a row, now how big is it? Or if I do this sin or this failure a thousand times in a row, now how far behind am I? And so small things that make a big difference. Uh, in the spiritual domain, so we talk to God each morning. We follow a Bible reading plan with a chart. If you don't have a Bible reading plan and if you're not charting it, you're probably not being faithful reading your Bible. You're not Superman. You're not, like, you're not different than anybody else. The things that you focus on, pay attention to, that's what gets done. Grab a Bible reading plan. We've got one in the back. Have a chart so you can track your progress. So in the spiritual, pray before you start your day at the same time or place. So some of you have very rigid schedules, so pick a time. And this is what time I pray. Some of you, your schedules are very different depending on work days or, or children or these types of things. So then it's important that you build routines in your life that may not, one day it might be at 6, one day it might be at 7, one day it might be at 5.30, but you do certain things in an order, and I always want to front load my day with Bible reading and prayer. I want to start my day with God. So I'm either going to pray... Uh, at the same time every day, or at least in the same place. I, I pick a place if possible, or in the same order of my morning routine. Next, use a prayer list. If you're not using a prayer list, you're missing things. You're not praying for things that need prayed for. We have some of our Wednesday night prayer lists in the back. 
Grab one of those each week. We try to have some left over for you on Sundays. Grab one of those and pray over those and write down extra things. Use a prayer list. Under the spiritual domain, attend church faithfully each week. I mean, just attend church faithfully. Don't be like those that get in the habit of not going to church. Don't, for example, are you coming to church next week? Well, it depends on what i got going on. Then that's not a habit. Now, we go to church next week unless I'm providentially hindered, uh, unless something comes up. I mean, I'm talking about hunting season, fishing season, uh, summer, winter, fall, spring. It's just we're going to be in church. Why? Because it's a habit. I go to church. We go to church. And we do it over and over and over. Uh, Join a weekly ministry. Each one of you have gifts and talents to give. And so spiritually, you need to not just be taking in, but you need to be offering someone help and assistance in the name of God each week. You can do that through a weekly ministry. Have a goal, a habit to pass out a track every day. Take some tracks, pass out a track every day. Even if you don't physically hand it to someone, let's say, preach, I'm scared to death to hand it to someone, leave it somewhere. Put one in the gas pump. Put one... Put put one on on the uh, 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 aisle as you're as you're going through the store. You know Uncle Ben's rice. I mean, put one right there in front of it. Nice smile track, and someone goes for the Uncle Ben's and they find Jesus. And so, uh, we, but we build these habits. All right, witness to someone every day. Try to get in the habit of talking to someone about Jesus every day. So that's not an exhaustive list. Those are just some ideas uh, that that we can begin making habits. All right. Next, the financial realm. So we had the spiritual realm. And now the financial realm, building healthy stewardship habits. All right. Think about this. Have a habit of returning the tithe to God by writing his check first. When you sit down to do the bills, write God's check first. That's just a good habit to get into. Pay God first. It's his first. In the Old Testament, when they were divvying out the the offerings, they would put out a stick and they would pass the livestock through. And the first ones that went through this under the stick belonged to God. He got his first, and it was symbolic. It was a habit of the Jews saying, we're just always going to put God first. And so uh, when you sit down to do the bills, uh, balance your checkbook, make sure that, that you give God his tithe. Next, ask God about any offering as you do your bills. And so I'm just building a habit. So I make sure that God gets his tithe. I make sure, okay, God, is there anything special you need me to do this month? Uh, or is there anyone specific that I should help? Uh, if, if there is, if you just put them on my heart, tell me what I should do. So we're building habits of good stewardship. And the trigger is when I do my bills or when I get my paycheck or deposit my check. So now I have a trigger and I have a habit. All right. Follow a budget. If you don't follow a budget, your finances are going to be in chaos. You say, preacher, I can't follow a budget. Come talk to me. I'll help you know how. Because if you don't at least know what you need to come in, then you're just going to live in chaos. And, and let me tell you. It's better to know how bad it is than wonder how bad it is. You say, preacher, my finances are so bad. It's better to know than to wonder because the devil can can play with your mind as you're wondering. All right, next, balance the checkbook with each deposit. And so nowadays with debit cards and and online banking and all that kind of stuff, we got to be super careful that we're just doing this. Now, some of you, you're like, preacher, I've done that since I was 13. And your finances are in much better shape than the people who don't have this habit. They just look at their bank account or they keep swiping a debit card until it says they're not going to take it anymore. And then they live in this in this terrible limbo. All right. So we talked about spiritual. We talked about financial. What about marital? Here's you want to have a good marriage. Here's some good habits. Say good morning. You say preacher, that's so small. It is. 
Say good morning. Kiss and hug when you first meet and when you're leaving. So anytime you're going to leave and your spouse is there, make the effort, walk over to where they are, physically give them a kiss. You say, well, it's a a marriage changer. Absolute marriage changer. And then when you first come home, give each other a kiss. Husband walks in the door from work. If the wife's there, come over and say hi. Meet, Meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, if, if the wife comes home and, and the, 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 the husband's been home and the wife's been out doing something, meet and kiss. Because these are healthy habits that build a strong marriage. Let me say this, always kiss goodnight. Always kiss goodnight. Even if they're sleeping, even if your spouse is sleeping when you go to bed, physically give them a kiss. Why? It's the power of habit. It does things in your brain and in your heart. I am a man who kisses my wife before I go to bed. That changes your marriage at a very fundamental level. Do that every day for a a year. Ten years. Powerful. Schedule a weekly date night. Guys, let me help you. Just pay for the babysitter. Shell out the money. It's cheaper than alimony, right? Just just do it. Just shell out the money. Pay for a babysitter. Build it in the budget. Uh, your wife will love you for it, and you'll enjoy it too. And then when you're on the date, leave your phone. Put your phone away. Don't pay for a nice meal, and you both are just on your phone sitting at the, the table. Uh, make loving eye contact when speaking. Here's a, here's a terrible thought. Some spouses only make eye contact when they're angry with each other. Make loving eye contact. Changes things. All right? Ask your spouse every day, what can I do to help you? Guys, every day, I mean sometime today, look at your wife and say, what can I do to help you? What can I do to make your life easier? I mean tomorrow, what can I do to help you today? Ladies, every day, what can I do? Here's what we do. I went to work all day, and I'm slaving to pay the bills, and what are you doing for me? How's that working for you? And yeah, you were at work all day, but I was home taking care of these kids. I'd much rather go to work. <coughs> you only say that when you've had a really rough day, man. Usually after you've stepped on a Lego in your bare feet and you just want to meet Jesus. You ever done that? I mean, it's like you could spread those things out in the next world war, just spread Legos out in the battlefield and people be begging for mercy. <laughs> I surrender. Ask what can I do to help you? So we've talked about spiritual, financial, marital. What about parental? Give your kids a good morning hug. I mean, every morning, give them a good morning hug. Walk over to them, teach them to walk over to you, give them a hug every morning. Uh, Look them in the eye and say, I love you. At least once every day, look your children right in the eyes and say, I love you. And it'd be nice if you could even say, I'm so glad you're mine. Just that, that, even that momentary connection changes everything. Ask them how their day went. They get home from school, ask them how their day went. They get back from a youth activity, hey, how'd, how'd the youth activity go? Give them some chores. You teens don't like that one very much, do you? Good parents give their children chores. Don't do everything for them. Teach them to help you around the house. Teach them boundaries and consistency give them jobs to do 
have a family night, or maybe it's watching something, but learn to, learn to turn the box off and play a game or talk. Eat together, that's a good habit. Let me say this, if you can't eat together every night, eat together at least so many nights per week. And then when you're eating together, turn the TV off. Don't just watch something when you eat, but talk. Right. Families feel so disconnected. It's like, well, we're not communicating. But what, what room in your schedule, what room in your life have you built to communicate? You've got to create gaps in your life so that there's room for people to share with you. And if you're not used to communicating, it's not like the first time you get together, they're going to just be like, oh, let me tell you all about my life. No, usually what happens is they got to get used to being there a little bit, having some room and talking, and, and then over time you build that rapport, and then they begin sharing everything. All right, always give them a kiss goodnight. If they're in your house, always give them a kiss goodnight or a hug goodnight. All right, think about social. Uh, say hello, make eye contact, be friendly, look for people to talk to. Here's one, get to church early. You say, I don't have a social life, I don't have any friends. All you got to do is get to church early. There's a bunch of people coming here. They're going to be sitting here waiting for you. Get to church a little early, chat for a few minutes, or don't leave right after. Stay for a few minutes and talk to some folks. You can have a great social life as a Christian. Uh, think about the mental areas of life. Take a few minutes each morning and evening to clear your mind. Turn off the radio, turn off the TV. Clear your mind. Take a walk outside. Look at the sky. Have you noticed the moon the last few days? Good night. How beautiful. Just walk out and look at the stars. Take a few deep breaths. I was, I was um, working out this week, and I, I noticed I usually have some things I listen to while, I, while I'm working out. But I thought, no, my mind is just a little too busy. I didn't like how it was. And so uh, while I was doing uh, some cool down, I just turned on some very soft hymn music. And I'm just literally taking deep breaths, listening to the music, settling my mind. When's the last time you did that? You know, the mind gets so busy and just thoughts and things and problems and worries. And oh, just, you're going to have a breakdown. <sighs> Take three deep breaths. Go out and look at nature. Talk to God. It's a game changer. Better than going to Butler. Amen. Uh been close many times all right read a book each day read a little bit of a book each day your brain acts differently when you're reading versus watching something your brain functions differently so read a little bit of a book each day not just the bible but i mean have a book and just kind of read a couple pages a day if that's all you got time for it'll it'll do something for your brain that other things can't do learn to be in the moment when you're with your wife be with your wife when you're with your kids don't be at work mentally when you're at work, don't be home mentally. When you're at church, don't be, don't be uh, at home. Learn to be where you're at mentally because your brain wants to, to be where it's at and process things. Uh, and, and you cheat yourself. You split your mind when you're never where you're supposed to be, focusing on what you're supposed to focus on. The brain's a muscle. And so you can teach it to focus. You can teach it to say, I'm not going to think about this. I'm going to think about this. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to pay attention to this. And you can learn to block out all of that, that mess. Or it just, it'll just attack your brain. All right, think about physical. Go to bed on time. Set a bedtime, go to bed. Take vitamins. Eat, eat at least two healthy meals a day. Choose a plan and time to exercise. Uh, set out your clothes the night before. Little things like that. Think about emotional. 
get up on time, pray each morning, give thanks each morning. What, what would it change your mind if, how would it change your life if every morning you said, I'm going to take four minutes every morning and I'm going to sit here and think about all the good things in my life? I mean, you look at the clock and the first time you do it, you might be like, okay, there's 60 seconds. I got nothing. I got nothing. But it's because we're not used to, to being appreciative and grateful. But see, your emotional health is very dependent upon what you're focused on. And so we give thanks each morning. We get up on time. So rather than feel like we're behind all day, we, we are up and ready for the day. We're attacking the day, living it rather than having it live us. Appreciate the small things. How many of you like coffee? How many of you don't like coffee? Ushers, I'm going to have you remove these people. And so if you don't like coffee, ushers, just... Um, you know, we, we're getting such a hurry. Have you, ever, have you ever eaten a wonderful meal, but you're eating it too fast, and so you don't appreciate it? See, I live in high speed a lot of the time. So sometimes I'll, I'll cook, and I've been working. I'll cook a meal for the family, because obviously my wife would do it if she could, but then... She can't, and so then sometimes I'll take my meal back with her, and I'll get on the side of the bed, and I'll be on my knees the side of the bed. She's laying right here. I got my plate here, and, and we're eating, and, um, and sometimes she'll just be like, slow down, because I'm just like, <laughs> not quite like that, but I mean, just, I'm just moving fast because I got things to do. I, I got a lot to do, and it's like, I'm not tasting my food. But stop and, and taste that food. Get that cup of coffee in the morning. and Before you drink it, just, oh, man, thank God for coffee. Sometimes in the Old Testament, they would have a drink offering where they would take some drink and they would lift it up to God and then pour it out. So in the morning, sometimes I'll take my coffee, I'll lift it up to God, but I don't pour it out. <laughs> I'm not that spiritual yet. So I, I stick my coffee, I thank you. I'm like, thanks, Lord. I lift it up to him, and then I drink it. And... Uh, but just appreciating the, the little things in life uh, go a long way. Interact with your loved ones. Ask for the mind of Christ every day. Think about vocationally, your work. Get to work early. Uh, employ a start-to-work routine. Decide you're going to be a, a Christian example at work. Think about improving your job daily. How can I do this better? How can I do this faster? How can we improve this or that? Uh, how can I be the best worker I can be? Uh, think about think about those things and, and work on your your job because if you feel like you're making progress that gives you a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment if you feel like you're stuck and like nothing's happening and my life is meaningless or, or this job is just just give me my paycheck so I can get out of here what a terrible way to live I mean go there and try to interact with your workers be a good Christian testimony do the job the best you can as unto the Lord not unto Christ you build these habits I was reading a story about, I uh, actually heard a, a preacher say it, a man down, I believe he's in the, the coal mines of, of a Pennsylvania area, and there was a well-known Christian in a small town, and he would get to the, the coal mine every day, and he was a big, burly guy, and the, the horn would go off, and work would get ready to start, and he would yell at the top of his lungs, all right, coal mine, let me show you what a Christian works like. And he'd get to work. And he would... Work hard, and everyone said he's the best worker on the job. Now, I recommend you not show up at work tomorrow and say, all right! <laughs> you know, you might lose your job. Be like, you're one of those psychos. And uh, then you just, if they fire you, just put on a sandwich board and stand out front and, and like, preach all day. 
but I'm not saying you go that far, but I mean, in your mind, you have this idea that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a habit of I am a hard worker. I am a strong worker. I want everybody else to see the difference Christ has made in my life by the little things I do every day. And the list goes on and on. And then we have the avocational, let's plan some time off each week, do something fun. Now, I, I say all that to say... Begin thinking about these areas of your life. First thing I want you to do is identify your bad habits. What bad habits do you have? Look at each area of your life and say, okay, what what do I need to stop in this area? And then the way you stop bad habits is you start doing good habits. The Bible says we break off our sins by righteousness. So if I want to stop doing something, I replace that with doing something better. Does that make sense? So what you'll find is my good habits will automatically replace my bad habits. And then I can start making, making progress. I hope that's a blessing to you. Uh, I hope you don't miss the bigness of it just because of the simplicity of it. And you say, preacher, how's this going to help me spiritually? Because you use the Bible as your guide to create godly stewardship habits so that every day it's, it's, like, it's like tying my shoes. Every day I get up and I walk with God. Every day I get up. It's like driving. Every day I get up and I'm going to treat my wife a certain way. I want to treat my kids a certain way. I don't have to think about it every day. And if I notice if I start getting off track, it's easier to get back on track. But I want to create these things in my life to where I'm putting success on the fast track by trying to be a good steward. Father, I pray that you'd help us with this idea of, of godly habits. Help us to put them in practice in our lives, we pray. Heads about eyes are closed. Let's stand.